three points. Manchester City are still alive here. Welcome, guys, to episode 51 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. In the house tonight, uh, we have, first of all, Presswitch Blue, Colin Savage. Colin, how are you? Good, good, good. And we also have, from Man City Fan TV, Ray. Ray, how are you doing, mate? I'm fantastic, mate. Uh, apart from the res- uh, football results tonight, everything's uh, pretty good. Ah, uh-huh. yes, indeed. And uh, what we're here to talk about, uh, first of all, is Manchester City 7, FC Schalke 0. Did you have any misgivings about this game going into it? I mean, obviously, we know now how it turned out, but they put a, they got a couple of penalties against us and, uh, uh, we overturned them, uh, 3-2 in the first game. Um, how were you feeling going into this game? Confident? Well, uh, uh, yeah, uh, but uh, some misgivings based on the results of last week's games, where all the underdogs seemed to come good. Um, yeah, I thought we'd be okay. Um, but you never know going into a game, do you? So... Well, it turned out more than okay, Ray, didn't it? Well, um, it's very, very difficult to pick out a man of the match, but um, I'm going to ask you to try. Right away. <laughs> We've not even discussed it yet. Um, I think overall it is difficult with the you know people scoring goals and creating goals. I think on our channel we give it to Leroy Sane. Uh, I think he was bobbins for the first 20, 25 minutes, if I'm honest. Uh, but after that, um, he was uh, exhilarating, scoring goals, uh, creating goals, dangerous every time he got the ball, wrongly called offside when he had a chance to score. He he was brilliant for the last uh, 70 minutes of that game. What do you think, Colin? Would you uh, agree with that or would you put in a shout maybe for well, someone well, else? Well, I think Leroy Sane was certainly in contention with there's so many. I thought Danilo had a great game, De yeah. Laporte. They were both brilliant at the back. Zinchenko w- was absolutely sublime at times, but he made a couple of bad mistakes. So I've kind of ticked him off the lift. Bernardo was busy. Um, Sterling had a really good game. Um, I thought uh, narrowly I'd give it to um, Gundogan, who again... You know, kept us ticking over some wonderful passes, didn't put a foot wrong, but you could give it to any, you could give it to six or seven last night. Yeah, absolutely. If we can just get uh, Gundogan to sign a contract, you know, that would be, uh, that would be interesting. But, um, uh, looking at this lineup, um, Ray, I'll just uh, yeah. remind us of it. So, Aderson in goal, Walker at right back, Danilo and Laporte in the centre, Zinchenko on the left, then Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, David Silva, Sterling, Aguero, Sane. Now, what did you make of that when you first saw it? Um, 
Well, obviously, I knew we had issues at centre-back. Otamendi being sent off. I think uh, John Stones uh, obviously isn't ready to play and uh, neither was Vinny Company. So it was going to be something left field with Fernandinho injured. He couldn't slot into uh, centre-back. Who's left? Sandler. I wouldn't have played him. He's too inexperienced and young and he was not fit anyway. And um, it kind of felt like Danilo was the only viable option left. Uh, Having said that, I think generally when he's played for us this season, Danilo hasn't let us down. Wherever he's been asked to play, whether he's been asked to play left back, right back, even um, for a few minutes as a defensive midfielder, he's not let us down. I think he had one poor game, um, which you can excuse uh, almost anybody for that in about 10 or 12 games. And as I said, he's not let us down. Um, And I also... Even though I'm 50 years old, I spent most of my life watching City generally be very poor and I suffer quite badly from Cityitis. And even though I thought there was that chance that we could really cock it up again, Schalke are a poor, poor team, you know. Um, And on tonight's evidence, uh, (laughs) so are Bayern Munich. But Schalke are a poor team in a struggling league by the looks of all things. Um, You know, all the German teams have got pretty much battered out uh, at uh, the round of 16. So I also thought that, okay, Schalke are not a great team. Danilo, if you want to put him at centre-back for any game, that's pretty much the game you want him to be at centre-back for. What did you think of that choice, uh, Colin? Well, I think it was the best we could do under the circumstances, to be honest. So um, I wasn't too surprised about um, who was there. Uh, And looking at the bench, I couldn't see... Uh, maybe we could have played Gabriel Jesus, but um, no, I was quite happy with that lineup. Any reason in particular that Stones wasn't chosen? I mean, if he, they normally say that if someone is good enough for the bench, then they're good enough to play, don't they? I'm not sure Stones was quite ready. I think maybe he was on the bench just to be on the bench, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, if if it was a real, real emergency, Stones might have come on. But um, I suspect he's not quite ready. So hopefully we'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Well, Ray, we opened up the scoring on the 35th minute with the penalty uh, for Aguero. It seemed that uh, uh, they took their time over <laughs> uh, <laughs> agreeing to the decision. What did you think? I mean, Aguero had already hit the post. Uh, a few minutes uh, uh, earlier on. Um, and the move was a very nice move. Um, you know, the pass from Gundogan to Bernardo, I thought it was a very, very silly foul um, on uh, Bernardo. There was no real need, but the the the, the defender was uh, caught unawares. He was not focused. He wasn't concentrating. He didn't really know where Bernardo was and he just put his arm out to, to block him. And I actually think Bernardo wouldn't have got that ball. I think it was going to the keeper. Um, so it was, in my opinion, a very silly um, foul to commit um, because you commit that kind of foul. How are you expected to get away with it, especially with VAR? So I think defenders and, and other um, players' mindset has to change because maybe in the past you'd have got away with it, but I don't think you're going to get away with it anymore. Um, silly uh, penalty to give. And then VAR, it took an absolute age Um to, to, to give that penalty kick. Um, and, and I chatted with Andy earlier on today. And, you know, we expect VAI in the next few years um, to get a lot better. There, there is improvement needed in the stadium. Nobody knew what was going on at home. You didn't really know much what was going on. You were not actually much better informed uh, than in the stadium. Um, 
And it has to, I believe, go down the cricket, rugby kind of route where the referee makes a decision or the referee with his linesman makes a decision. And unless it can be clearly shown that that's incorrect, you stick with it. If it's inconclusive, you stick with it. But you've also got to put a time limit on these things. Uh, You can't go for three or four minutes. It's got to be, they're just going to turn around and say, like, we've got 60 seconds or 90 seconds. If you can't make your mind up by then, whatever the original decision was, is what we stick with. Um, but what you don't want on, on the back of that, you don't want uh, referees and linesmen chickening out, bottling decisions and um, just leaving it up to VAR. You want them to make a decision with conviction, um, whether it turns out to be right or wrong, but make that decision as you see it and then let the VAR have its effect. If it's inconclusive, stick with that original decision, be it right or be it wrong. People will still complain, but I think overall the system will be much better. Sounds like a plan, Colin. What do you think? I agree entirely with what Ray said. The only thing I'd argue with is um, give it 30 seconds. And if you can't make a firm decision within 30 seconds, uh, then stick with the original decision. Yeah. I mean, that's probably even better because if you, it's got to be a um, clear and obvious error. And yeah. if you can't decide within 30 seconds, it's clear and obvious. I think the only issue is is the technology, but the technology should be working within 30 seconds for the VAR official to see it to, uh, at least twice. And that should be enough. If you can't make a decision after watching an incident twice, then stick with the original on-field decision. Colin, is there a better way of cluing the fans into what's going on? This is a common complaint as well. Well, um, I, I don't get too upset about that because obviously they, they told us last night there was a VAR review and it certainly enhanced my knowledge of German because I know now <laughs> what the German is for uh, VAR review. Um, but but so, so I think that's right. As long as we know there's a VAR review, I, I, I'm kind of quite happy with that. Mm-hmm. Well, three minutes later, Colin uh, Aguero uh, makes it uh, two for himself, two for City. What did you think of that one? Yeah, um, cracking goal. Um and I think for the penalty, just to go back, and I, I, I highlighted Ilkay Gundogan as my man of the match. He'd put in one of those superb floated passes to Bernardo. And again, it was uh, Gundogan again. It was a longer ball to, to Sterling, who raced clear. Um, he did brilliantly to hold off the Schalke defender. And then he, he just knew where Aguero was and that fantastic little back heel into Aguero's path. Aguero seemed to stumble. He certainly was under pressure, but he managed to squeeze it between the um, keeper's legs. Mm-hmm. A lot and, of... uh, it was one of those where the, the VAR showed that Sterling was just on side. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, again, I, I think they got that quite, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, one of them they got quite quickly. One they took, seemed to take an age on, may have been that one, but um, it was a very close one. But it was a brilliantly timed run, brilliant ball from Gundogan and uh, brilliant awareness from Sterling. That's right. And uh, they were coming thick and fast because uh, the, the penalty was on 35 minutes. Aguero's second was on 38 minutes. And then only four minutes, I think, it took for Sane to get on the uh, score sheet, uh, Ray. Did you get a good view of that one? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you had Zinchenko, who I thought had a, a decent game. As Colin said, he made a couple of errors, but I think he always do, has one error in a game. Um, but he, going forwards, he's he's fantastic. And, and and this was the kind of game where we spent most of the time, especially after we scored, uh, we spent that time going forward. So Zinchenko, a very nice pass inside the defender to Sane. Sane had timed his run um, for a change and he was onto it and it was pretty much, I mean, he was way beyond the defence. He just slid it past the keeper uh, into the far end. So, you know, I, I think by... 
after the second goal, I thought it was game over. And uh, when the third went in, you knew that if Schalke didn't come out in the second half um, with enough determination and resolution to to keep it respectable, uh, the score could get silly very, very quickly. And it did. Mm-hmm. 3-0 going into half time. Um, Ray mentioned Zinchenko there. Colin, I don't know if you've had the dubious pleasure of seeing the, the video of uh, Zinchenko doing his rap act on uh, Twitter. <laughs> Um, I've not had that pleasure, no. Yeah, I think that you should probably forego that one, Colin. Well, Mike, Mike, give us a rendition, Mike. How does it go? <laughs> you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get that from me. I mean, <laughs> I think he he was actually doing it in his own language, which uh, was. Uh, which prop possibly made it more tortuous. Um, but anyway, 3-0 at halftime, guys. Uh, and as uh, Ray said, game was effectively over uh, there. But um, th- some of the assists from Leroy Sané in the second half were absolutely sublime, uh, Colin, weren't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, that one for the fourth goal was absolutely brilliant. Talk us it through was, that, it mate. Was, well, it was Kevin De Bruyne standard, wasn't it? I mean, he had the... Um, he had the ball out on the left, our left. Uh, he had time to play in a ball, but he played in this wonderful flighted ball, curved ball into Sterling, who was on the right-hand side of the area. Um, yeah, I say it was it was Kevin De Bruyne standard. It was that it was just inch perfect, and Sterling could just take it first time and smack it into the back of the net. Uh, he was flagged offside actually, which I was at down at that. I'm usually down at the other end, but I was actually down in the family stand second tier, and we're all saying there is no way he was anywhere near offside for that. But actually, um, it was a bit closer than it looked. But they shouldn't have needed VAR for that because we could see it, um, and that linesman looked a bit kind of confused. And um, what's the what's the um, what's the the Zepp? song dazed and confused dazed and confused yeah for, for the whole game but that, that one was it? sterling it, it, say it was closer than it actually looked in real time but he should not have been putting his flag up for that he Such made a couple of errors uh i think on yeah. the outside one where he would give it and it wasn't one where he didn't give it and it was yeah uh, yeah 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 such a yeah, sweet I, I, sweet assist uh, it was bent like an arrow wasn't it oh it was fantastic it was absolutely fantastic and uh, not long again. Well, actually, a, a, a bit, a bit longer. We had um, Bernardo Silva get on the uh, score sheet. That was on seventy-one. Um, and great news for us, he signed a new contract. Ray, happy with that? Absolutely fantastic uh, a contract till twenty twenty-five. So that's in effect another six and a bit years, and that will that'll be most of his career. It'll be what uh, twenty-nine thirty by the time that contract's finished, and um, we'll get the best parts of him. I think there were rumours about Real Madrid being interested, but I, I couldn't see that at all. And what he said about loving the club and it's the best place to be and to play football and with the team and the fans. I'm glad he mentioned us. Um, really at Man City right now he's set up um, for I wouldn't say domination but for a consistent period of uh, superb football uh, which will win trophies uh, on a regular basis and he can also see himself stepping up he has stepped up from last season he is a a fan favourite uh, and he is probably along with Sterling one of the first names on the team sheet Colin, uh, I think it was forty-three million that we uh, we got him for. I remember being on Twitter when it was announced, and uh, I was absolutely thrilled about that, given his performances against us uh, from Monaco. But that's got to be, you know, right up there in the bargain buys of the of the of of the century. That one, isn't it? 
Oh, it's been a great buy because, I mean, before, certainly before this season, we were all saying, saying to each other, oh, my God, what we're going to do when David Silva finally goes. And all of a sudden, I'm not thinking what we're going to do, what the hell we're going to do when David Silva goes because we've got Bernardo. Uh, and he's he's good enough to step into David Silva's shoes. And if you'd asked me that, you know, 12 months ago, I'd have said no one's good enough to step into David Silva's shoes. But um, uh, you know, if if De Bruyne and David Silva and Bernardo Silva and Gundogan are all fit, you've got to say David Silva might be struggling to get, um, you know, be first pick. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the goal then, uh, uh, Colin. It was on the 71st minute that he notched. Um, how did that go? Uh, I'm losing track. Which goal are we talking about? Bernardo Silva, 71. Oh, Number Bernardo's five. goal, right. It's yeah. easy to lose uh, track, isn't it, whenever the score oh, is 7 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fantastic goal. In fact, one of the guys uh, I was with last night, he came out, he thought we won 6 0. He didn't realise we scored a 7. Um, that goal, it wasn't yeah, Ezin Dzeko, was it? Was it Ezin Dzeko you were with? No, no, track? no. It wasn't Matthew Syed either. Um, <laughs> We look like we might lose the ball. So the couple of loose passes, um, but but uh, Sale did really well to win the ball back. Uh, he gave it to uh, Alexander Zinchenko, who played this, fant- again, another fantastic ball into Leroy, um, who was in space. Uh, and Leroy was just instinctive. Um, he just laid it back to but straight into Bernardo's path. And again, we, you know, when we're going back to the Sterling goal, the ball, uh, it, he enabled the weight of the pass, the direction was perfect. Uh, and Bernardo just had to, um, he, well, he did, did a Mario Balotelli, didn't he, really? And he placed it into the corner. But, but, but again, it was... Like, like the Sterling one, the weight, the direction of, of, of Sane's pass to him was absolutely perfect. Brilliant. Phil Foden was brought on to uh, rest uh, David Silva on the 64th minute. I think it was, what, six or seven minutes, Ray, before he uh, put that one in. Um, the only thing I was a little bit confused, I guess, about... Um, about his celebration, because he looked uh, all scowly and moody and, you know, uh, he he wasn't, you know, the, the other guys were surrounding him and smiling and he wasn't smiling at all. I don't know. Was he trying to make a point there? You mean um, Phil Foden? Sorry, I beg your pardon. Phil Foden, yeah. Yeah, Phil Foden on the sixth goal. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it was... It's probably a mixture of emotions. I mean, there's probably uh, obviously elation, a bit of relief, a bit of, uh, yeah, I've done it, that kind of thing. Um, So I don't think he was trying to show anything. I mean, Pep's full of praise every time he talks about Foden. And I think Foden probably appreciates that. Uh, So I don't think there was anything uh, even slightly untoward about his celebration. Um, He's getting used to scoring goals and you can't, you know, I think the first few he scored, yes, he was... The not over the top, but he was really, really happy and leaping into the air. I mean, he leapt into the air uh, after the goal as well yesterday and, and punched. You know, you'll see some pictures um, in the papers uh, of him leaping into the air. So he was still excited and elated by scoring this goal, but maybe not as much as some of the uh, first uh, two or three that he scored, because obviously uh, your first two or three are going to be even more special. Talk us through that goal by uh, Foden, uh, Colin. Oh, well, um, it was another brilliant, brilliant ball from um, Zinchenko. He was just inside the Schalke half and um, he, he played a brilliant ball to Leroy Sane and that ball just sliced the Schalke defence open. Uh, I, I counted it took out about four Schalke players. It was a lovely angled ball. 
Leroy still had a lot to do. So he was quite central, I, I guess, about 35 yards out. He had a Schalke player on his back, but he just jinked slightly to the left, made a little bit of space and played this, again, this wonderful pass straight into Foden's path. And again, the weight was perfect. The angle was perfect. And Foden did a brilliant job to, yeah, so confident. He rounded the keeper and slotted the ball in from, uh, we know, what was a tightish angle. Um, so, so, you know, it wasn't an easy goal, but, you know, those two actions, the, the way he rounded the keeper with such a plomb and slotted the ball in confidently from a, a fairly tight angle, really, uh, were really fantastic. But everything about that goal, from Zinchenko getting the ball, you know, basically killing half the Schalke team, uh, Leroy's little move, because, uh, no, we normally see Leroy out on the wing, but he was in the centre and he knew which way to turn and to play that ball in. It was fantastic. Another fantastic goal. Ray, I suppose the only uh, thing that were, was possibly on people's minds was uh, Gabriel Jesus, because, you know, when you're scoring that number of goals, he's probably thinking to himself, are we really going to score a hatful of goals and I'm not going to be on the score sheet? But he put that right on the 84th minute, didn't he? Yeah, I think he had a, a, just a smidgen of help from the goalie. Uh, but I mean, what happened was Bernardo's on the right hand side, uh, yeah, right hand side of the box, and he put a simple pass into uh, Gabby Jesus, and he bent it round um, the defender. And you could argue that maybe the keeper was unsighted, or maybe he should have got down quicker because it kind of went through him. Um, and he, it looked like Gabby was a little bit embarrassed uh, by the quality of the goal and the quality of the uh, goalkeeping. But to be honest, um, you know, I'm sure he'll take every goal that he can score, whatever he scores it with, and whoever's fault it is. Um, so, yeah, he got on the, the, the score sheet, and that was the magnificent seven. Mm-hmm. Colin, um, just to um, bring a little bit of reality into the uh, discussion, uh, how much did we learn, really, about City at this stage of the competition Um Particularly given that our our result, great as it was, was probably overshadowed by Cristiano Ronaldo um, for Juventus. But uh, what did you take away from the game? Well, I think once we got to 3-0 at half-time, Schalke's hearts went out of the game. Obviously, they've been on a pretty bad run. I think their, the manager is clearly on his last legs. Um but I still think there's lots you can take from that game. And a few people have said this, and I've said this before. Maybe last season, if we put a team like that out in the League Cup or an FA Cup, they'd have struggled because some of the players were not up to speed. And this season, we can put a team like that out. And we're playing, it's almost, you can't distinguish between players who perhaps might not be automatically first choice and, and, and players who would be. They're all playing so well. And certainly some of the passing, some of the movement, the, the desire was all there. Uh, and I don't think you can, you can certainly say Schal- Schalke weren't up for it, but I don't think you can take any, anything away from City because as bad as the opposition is, the game has still got to be won. And I think we won it in great style, playing some really sublime football. Makes a bit of a bit of a mockery of the um, of the of the first result, uh, um, actually. But uh, Ray, let's talk about our prospects going forward in this competition. Um, it was interesting to see uh, Barcelona give such a heavy hammering to Leon. Leon were a team that gave us uh, a lot of trouble in in both games uh, earlier. Um, how far do you think we can go, and will we draw Liverpool or Man United in the next round? 
Um, well, I, we got one out of, uh, Colin, I'll get this right, one out of seven chance of drawing one of those teams, whatever it is, one out of eight. Um, it doesn't really matter. You know, we could draw anybody. We could draw Juve, we could draw Barcelona. Um, our chances, obviously, they've got to be very good. Um, we are still one of the best teams left in the competition. If you look at it, you know, there are, there are tough teams there. But in all honesty, I think uh, uh, Juventus are very, very, I think they're the toughest um, And uh, with Ronaldo and with their uh, results over the last few seasons in the Champions League, always getting very deep into the competition. And now they've got that extra, extra little bit of um, uh, fairy dust with uh, Ronaldo to sprinkle on the proceedings. Barcelona there but end of the day we can beat anybody um, but at this stage anybody can beat us as well uh, it's unlikely but it can happen I mean there's only eight teams left but we've got to at least fancy our chances um, you know we'll wait for the for the draw um, in a couple of days time uh, very eagerly um, because I think we get the draw for the quarters and the semi-finals so you pretty much know obviously what's what's coming around the corner uh, but we've got to be in a strong position um, but I wouldn't uh, I'm not that sitting there counting my chickens and you know booking my tickets um, uh, and accommodation for Madrid. Um, you know I'm, I'm, I don't want to make that mistake. You know, we, lots of lots of stuff could happen. You know, we're, it's fantastic that we we still got three competitions to play for. But I, I'm um, realistic to uh, to to accept that. You know, we could end up with just walking away this season with the Carabao Cup. I hope not. I don't think that's the only trophy we'll win this season. Um, but I'm not going to, um, you know, get me suntan lotion out for Madrid right now. Well, the Liverpool fans certainly don't share your uh, diffidence there, Ray, because they've got CopCon, CopCon uh, 2019 planned uh, in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, a lot of the fans are planning an end-of-season uh, party, uh, and uh, the Champions League final was mentioned. Uh, they This was coming from the Anfield rap, of course, and uh, they were, you know, at least modest enough to say, uh, or to use the phrase, you know, uh, just in case we don't make it, you know, we'll enjoy it anyway. But mm. uh, uh, what did you well, make? It's, of, uh, it's not like it, Liverpool fans to be over optimistic, is no, it? No, not at all. They were playing tonight, of course. Um, that we sort of delayed uh, the the recording of this pod just to to check that out. Um, what did you make of that, uh, Colin? Bayern terrible or Liverpool good or a mixture of both? Or uh, no, it was a bit like the PSG United game. Neither team were really good. But one team took the chances, and and, and someone compared Bayern to a, um, a a lower bottom half Premier League team. I'd struggle to. Uh, my uh, reply to that was bottom half Championship team. They were absolutely awful tonight. Dreadful. Couldn't string two passes together. Um, Ribery, how he lasted as long as he did, I'm not sure. A couple of times he was in good positions to put crosses over, and they went out for throw-ins. Um, they lost. The, the ball was being turned over. Over time and time and time again. Uh, say Liverpool weren't much better, but they took their chances, and um, you've got to say they they've thoroughly deserved it. But they're still not firing on all cylinders. Um, Ray, you're nodding enthusiastically there. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as I'm aware, I mean, in all competitions this season, Liverpool have only this sorry this calendar year they scored 32 goals, um, which is very unlike them. Uh, but Bayern were poor. I mean, I think they had the wrong attitude in the first game at Liverpool. Uh, my personal opinion is I'd rather lose 1-0 going for a, uh, for, to score that away goal than walk away with a 0-0. Um, obviously, 0-0 is better than 1-0, but I'd rather go for it a little bit. And Bayern were just not interested uh, at Anfield. 
And I, I only watched about the last 30 minutes. I was doing, uh, trying to teach my son some algebra, uh, <laughs> failing, failing miserably. You should do that uh, with some of the guys for the uh, UEFA could do with a bit yeah. of that. <laughs> well, this was basic algebra, but, um, you know, our, our ping pong cheat, Matthew Syed, uh, I think he might struggle with the basic algebra that I was doing tonight. He seems um, not to know the difference between a profit and loss account and a balance sheet, too, by what I can see. <laughs> I, I, he, well, he doesn't know the difference between uh, playing uh, honestly, uh, playing table tennis honestly and uh, trying to cheat uh, Desmond uh, Douglas I think his his name was I mean I'm not seeing anything uh, controversial because it's all out there if anybody wants to check that up online Um, you know know, look call it as it is if you want to I don't I'm sure we'll get on to it but the media calling City cheats when nothing's been proven and you're a cheat yourself and that's been proven you've admitted you've openly admitted it and that's pretty bad when you when your own corner calling you a cheat um but anyway that, that's by the by um but um i've lost my train of thought now but um, well, let me uh, <laughs> let, let me redirect you uh yeah. ray uh did, did, was there any sort of concern? I mentioned this earlier, but was it a slight cause for concern how easily uh, Lyon were put away uh, by Barcelona in comparison with the with the with the mess we made of those games? Well, look, um, I mean, there was a one point in the second half where when um, I mean Barcelona were in two 0 Lyon scored. So Leon were very, very close to uh, fluking their way, you know, another goal and um, they'd win on away goals. And I, I just think once you score, let's say, that third goal, then the opposition gave up. And uh, Bayern Munich did the same against Liverpool. Once Liverpool uh, were winning 2-1, you could see, visibly see, the Bayern, Bayern Munich give up. They, they were not chasing, they were not hurrying. And I was thinking, but you only, you only need two goals. You had 10 or 15 minutes to score two goals. You should still bust a gut to do that, um, and they weren't doing that. And it's just—I I suspect. Obviously, I was watching the Liverpool game, not the uh, Leon game. I suspect that's what happened with Leon as well. Uh, most probably that they kind of give up. They knew they were not going to get through at, at say three-one down, and uh, it's just going to be one-way traffic after that. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is the major concern for me, actually, about our chance in the Champions League. Is that Pep seems to it seems to be one competition where Pep seems to over think things. I mean, I know it's a common complaint, almost a cliche that we're levelling at him, but it seems to be a, um, just seem to be a competition where perhaps his thinking isn't as clear as it is for the Premier League. Um, and I think that Leon um, scenario maybe sums that up a little bit. I don't know. Teenagers in the competition, guys. Teenagers in the competition. Another thing okay. that Pep, Pep does is he does talk down our chances. I'm wondering if he's, if, if he's not being a little bit like uh, Mancini, uh, yeah. uh, when you remember him and, he, and every every as we uh, basically clawed ourselves back every game. He was in, in, on the uh, the TV saying, "No, we've got no mm-hmm. chance, no chance at all." And uh, Pep is obviously um, doing a little bit of the same, but. Uh, Colin, um, is there? Explain to me how this works, where you do the draw for uh, the quarterfinal and the semi-final. I I, I saw Sid Lowe or on uh, on Twitter, and he was um, expressing his uh, annoyance with that system. Um, what what are the implications of that, and how does it really work? Uh, I didn't realise they did the draw for the semi-final as well. Um, right, so obviously. This is the first round. Well, the round coming up is the first round where we can draw an English team. And it's also the round where, uh, obviously, in the group stages, we play home and away. In the the round of 16 that we've just completed, uh, the team that wins its group gets the to play the home leg second. 
so so this is now the this is now the round where everything's in the pot. You know, we, so we could be drawn to play the away leg second. We could be drawn against another another of the English teams. So, so there's no restrictions now. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess what, what they'll do is that they will draw the, the, the quarterfinals and then um, yeah, give each of those quarterfinals a number and then yeah. draw, it, draw it again. So there's no restriction. It's quite easy, really, because there's no restrictions on who anyone can play. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is it would be nonsensical, really, to have a draw. I mean, I can see the point behind them doing this and not have the semi-finals because if you get to the semi-finals, you've got to reconvene everybody in Switzerland or, or wherever they're doing yeah. this in Neon. And and what have you got left? Well, you've only got four teams, so this, you're not having much of a draw uh, for the semi. So you might as well get it all over and done with now rather than getting every you know four teams back for this and four teams back for the Europa or whatever, it, however they do it, um, because it was not much of a draw with four balls. Absolutely, and they do the final as well. Apparently, oh yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think that kind of works itself just out. Checked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, obviously, when you get to the final, it's just a question of who's the home and away team in, yeah. for the dressing rooms or whatever. Uh, Colin, so are there any academic. are there any teams uh, left in the competition that um, that you would consider yourself fortunate to uh, draw? Uh, yeah, obviously there are Porto. I mean, Ajax demolished Real Madrid, but I still think we do a maybe do a job on them. Um, Spurs and United, I'd take. I, I think we maybe even got the beating of Liverpool a little, but they would worry me in a Champions League context. So, you know, there's four teams, United, Spurs, Ajax, uh, Porto, out of the seven, that wouldn't bother me overly. But, of course, when you're in the last eight of the Champions League, um, it's yeah, it's a lottery. The teams I prefer to avoid are Barca, Juve and Liverpool, of course, um, at this stage. It would be nice if Liverpool got one of, uh, if Liverpool um, got someone like Barca or Juve. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you feel about that, Ray? Well, I think for Pep, Pep would love to have uh, three matches, which, would, uh, well, if Bayern had got through, I would have said Bayern, but uh, to play against Ajax, to play against Barca, um, I think, you know, obviously the style of football and, and uh, Johan Cruyff and, and Barcelona and everything else. Um, for me, I don't want to play Juventus. I just think they're very, very strong, yeah. Uh, yeah. normally very strong defensively. And if I'm correct, since Simeone has been at Atletico Madrid, as Hardly any hat-tricks have been scored against them. Um, it's usually by uh, Ronaldo. You know, Atletico don't let in three goals. Um, yeah. You know, I was really surprised that they, uh, they lost uh, the game uh, yesterday and they were knocked out. So I really don't want to play Juventus. Barcelona still got good players. Um, and if I had if I had to pick anybody, you know, yeah, Porto or uh, Ajax, I think um, are the are the weakest of the remaining teams. The Liverpool fan base uh, narrative has got to change now because they were saying that in the event that they uh, went out to Bayern Munich, then they they, they would have a much better chance uh, winning of the uh, winning the winning the title uh, and and putting us to the sword, uh, Colin. But I guess uh, they'll revert now and say, well, it's all about momentum, isn't it? Well, I've, I've said this all along. It's about momentum. You know, we uh, we've won one competition. We're still in the other three. Um, and, and players, it, it keeps your momentum going. Players have got the adrenaline up. They're in the rhythm. They're in the groove. You know, they're fighting for places. There are places. So every player knows they will get um, a go at it at some point. So um, I, I, of course, it's difficult. You know, we all talk about we, we can't possibly do the quadruple. But while we're in it, we're in it. Um, you know, we may go out the FA Cup on Saturday. We may... Um, 
we may go out the Champions League in the next round, but we're still in it. And and that momentum and and is there. And I think that and we've said before on the podcast, haven't we? What what's disrupted Liverpool's season is these warm winter breaks in Dubai because they've got out the rhythm of playing and playing is very different to training. I think so. Uh, we'll see how they do. Um, I think it's uh, quite you know. it's quite nice, uh, Ray, isn't it? That uh, after we get this. Um... FA Cup game out of the way, then there's, a, I think there's quite a, a, a decent break. Two weeks. For, what is that, two weeks, is it? Yeah, the two next weeks, game yeah. is away at Fulham on the 30th of March. So we'll have, uh, yeah, two weeks uh, break. And the international break for City with a few of our older players is actually pretty good. I mean, David Silva's retired from international football. I suspect KDB won't be going. Uh, Aguero's not been picked. Um, so we'll actually, uh, apart from the Eng- actually see England players that we lose, uh, losing five England players uh, for international duty. Um, but I suspect there'll be half a dozen players that won't be going anywhere. Uh, I, I think Gundogan has retired from German football. Uh, uh, team Fernandinho won't be playing, so he'll have more time to recover. So I think I don't look. Obviously, Laporte's not going anywhere. So we'll have a lot of players. Actually, could be you know seven or eight players who are not going anywhere, and so they can give their bodies a well-deserved rest. And when we talk about playing you know regularly and keeping the momentum going and keeping the rhythm going I think it's great uh, that we we do still generally have two games every week because your squad players are going to get games what you don't want is I think anyway is to be playing once a week and to be sticking the same team out and then suddenly maybe getting an injury it's much better to get a few players you know and changing three or four players every game and giving a uh, having a little bit of rotation, so everybody's still in the groove. Even you know, Riyad Mahrez hasn't played that much uh, this uh, this year in 2019, but he's been playing the cup games. So he's played most of the cup games. He's played, uh, and then he's been reintroduced into league games when we've needed him and needed to rest others. So I think that's a. Uh, you know, it's it's great, and I would much rather be in four competitions or still a chance to win another three than to drop out of something and focus on one. Because you, you know, you focus on one. Well, look at Spurs. You know, they were focusing. It seemed to be on the Premier League. Well, that's been blown out of the water in the space of uh, two or three weeks, and now they're just left really with fighting for the to get into the top four and focusing on the on the Champions League now. Colin, one thing that all of the journalists across the board seem to agree on is that they feel that Liverpool have got the easier run in. I, I looked at it, not quite sure that that's necessarily true. I mean, I think they've got um, possibly more home games, but is that how you see it, that um, that they've got the, the slightly easier run in? Um, there are no easy run-ins. No easy run-ins. Uh, when the pressure's on, every game is a cup final. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, um, you know, we've seen Liverpool blow up before. So, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any easy games in your running. Now, now they play for, when we play in the FA Cup, they're, they're down at Fulham. Now, now you'd say that was probably one of the easiest games they've got to face in, in their running. But, um, uh, you know, uh, when the pressure's on, when your mind's on, uh, you know, just uh, Fulham are fighting for, for survival. I don't think they'll make it. But we, we've seen strange results at this end of the season uh, from teams fighting for uh, fighting for survival. I mean, look where Cardiff, what Cardiff have done. I mean, I, I think Cardiff are going down, but they've put some results together. Um, you know, Huddersfield have put a, 
a couple of res results together. Southampton beat Spurs. You, you cannot take anything for granted in your last handful of games. Um, you know, uh, and people say, you know, well, well, people see our hard games as obviously going to Old Trafford, Spurs at home, but Burnley and Crystal Palace are places where we've dropped points. Um, so, you know, every game now is a cup final, particularly when there's only one point between you. They might be, yeah, one point. Yeah, uh, on, on equal games, isn't it? So, so those last eight games all going to be tough games, uh, and the ones against the teams at the bottom are, are usually as tough, if not tougher, than the ones against the teams at the top. Uh, the teams you want to be playing is the, the the teams potentially you want to be playing are the teams that are comfortably in the middle. Uh, and I think we saw with Watford last week that um, they they had no great ambition, uh, although they played a bit like a team that was trying to avoid relegation, trying to get a point, but. Um, you know, they're not bothered. They're not going to go down. Um, they're probably not going to get that last um, Europa League spot. Um, you know, those are the teams that, that, that you ideally want to play that, that potentially are already thinking about the summer holidays. Yeah. Ray, we should probably just touch on that uh, Watford game because uh, obviously we didn't cover it on the Bolt from the Blue Pod. Don't want to talk about it for too long. But uh, did you feel that um, that we were very, very lucky to break the, the back of their uh, resistance in the way that we did? Yeah, obviously. I mean, uh, um, when I talk about referees making um, decisions with conviction, was it Paul Tierney? He made his uh, overrule of the linesman with conviction and he was wrong. Uh, and he got blasted for it, but it's just one of those things. Um, you know, he made a he made a big error. Uh, obviously, we were lucky. Uh, we feel it should have been offside. Pep said so afterwards. He said, "If we've you know scored a goal and we shouldn't have, I apologise." You know, other managers, some you know, some players and managers would just say, "Who cares?" and, and just move on and, and take the take take the uh, the goal. Um, so yes, we were fortunate. Um, I don't think we were brilliant in the first half against Watford. Uh, but that gate, that goal opened them up, um, and that obviously led to a, a second goal very, very quickly, and uh, and then then a third, and then we we kind of switched off um, at the back to let them score their uh, what turned out to be a consolation goal. Uh, so yeah, fortuitous just to start with, but I mean we had a lot of the play, and in the second half, uh, once they were a bit more open, uh, we kind of yeah, I guess that when you. Uh... If you win a league title, you will look back on uh, days when you you were a bit a bit lucky. But uh, just switching t tack a little bit, uh, Colin. I was uh, obviously, as we know, City are uh, getting a lot of heat and flack because of FFP. But um, did it was did it strike you a little bit strange that we should be that the announcement came that we were going to be investigated by all four? Uh, regulatory uh, organisations at the at the same time. Basically, it, it, you know, you would normally expect a bit of distance between the announcements, but the, it all came came as a cluster, didn't yeah. they? Well, no, I think uh, we were already under investigation from FIFA over the young kids and uh... was it the young kids? Yeah, investigation under the FA for the Sancho payments. I think that's just been announced, hasn't it? That had just been announced. No, no, no. no they've been so. I, I'm not sure. That I came out in Des Beagle. That that yeah. came. The Sancho came out in Des Beagle. Right. So yeah. the the FA or Premier League are, are looking that, into that. I don't see what the Premier. I, I think this Premier League is a bit of um, a red herring. I, I'm not sure what the Premier League are investigating, unless uh, people talked about financial fair play, but financial fair play doesn't apply to the Premier League. They have their own short-term cost control rules, uh, but I, I can't see that even. Uh, obviously, that, that those may have an impact. Uh, sorry, the UEFA stuff may may have a slight impact because um, what, what the FF, what the FF, oh, sorry, what the Premier League's 
cost control, short-term cost control rules look at is the level of wages. But we're well clear of that. Even if yeah. they poured a load of money, uh, forced us to, to, to take um, a hit on um that we've been under declaring wages and the only area where that would be applicable to is the image rights payment and i've said before that which i think from what i can see we're talking about seven million a year going through that company so so that's not going to impact us in any way shape or form so I, i'm not sure you know the premier league I'm, I'm not sure what the premier league's interest is in this and no one has really clarified it and given some of the stuff we've had in the media because according to martin ziegler which is, and i've said this before which was picked up by everyone we've been being investigated since october well well, we now know that isn't true. And as um, I say, David Conn um, was quite clear in, and, and David Conn is meticulous and forensic in his reporting. I say he gets a bad press from some City fans, but he will go and check his sources a million times over. He's a lawyer by training. So he will go and check his sources. And uh, his sources said that the club financial control body, which administers um, financial fair play, uh, was reluctant to open a formal investigation, didn't want to do it. I, I, and I think they know there's not much they can pin on us and it's all smoke and mirrors and, and piss and wind. And uh, But they were forced into it by UEFA. And I think City welcomed this in some ways because then it gets everything off the table. And I think we'll, I think we'll come out with a fudge. There'll be yeah. some sort of fudge which, which doesn't really impact us in any meaningful sense, UEFA can say they've done something. We can say we've, like, like with the settlement agreement in 2014, that we've taken the pinch. Um, but I think what will come out of it from the UEFA point of view will be relatively meaningless. I think um, we've got more to fear from uh, FIFA over the young players because obviously we know what they've done to Chelsea. Now, Chelsea, I think, were up for 29 offences. I think <laughs> we were up for about eight or nine. So, you know, if Chelsea got a two-window transfer ban, we may be looking at one, uh, if but, that. Colin, I think one of the slightly disturbing aspects of that is that Chelsea were denied... The, Suspen uh, yeah. the suspension of it uh, of the ban, yeah. pending an yeah. appeal. Now, that yeah. would be a bit of a blow, wouldn't it? Uh, potentially, yeah. But I, what, what I find slightly odd is that the, the two outcomes, us and Chelsea, weren't announced at the same time. So, so I'm not sure whether there's any significance in that, but um, I did find it a little bit odd. But normally you, you throw all these things on the table together because if UEFA are doing the, the financial fair play sanctions, um, they publish them all on the same day, pretty well on the same day. You know, they've done the work. So so maybe, maybe I'm being insanely optimistic to say we might not be impacted uh, that badly. But I, I think that's the one we've got more to worry about. And I think what makes me worry about it more is that the FA were also brought into that because if we'd, if Chelsea have relied on the FA to, to ensure they're in the clear and we've also relied on the FA then we're in the same, we presumably got the same advice or, or well, the I'm, same support I'm, from the FA. I'm hoping from the FA investigation about Sancho that the worst that they, that we can have from the FA side of things is like Liverpool when they were busted uh, for their disgusting treatment of that lad who I think it was at Stoke, where they'll end up, we'll end up with a two-year, or, or sorry, a 12-month transfer ban um, on uh, buying kids up under yeah. 16s. So I, I, that will have, have some impact, but I don't think it's going to be uh, tremendously worrying um, with the number of kids we've got already going through the system. It's the potential of a of a one or two window transfer ban by FIFA that's yeah. more of a concern. 
especially if it doesn't allow us to buy this summer. If we well, can get well, this summer well, done, I'd be very happy. Didn't uh, was it one of the Spanish clubs? I can't remember off the top of my head. Was it Barca had a transfer ban yeah. and still managed to sign players, but they couldn't register them. Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. not sure how that works. But obviously, the longer this goes on, maybe slightly the better, or, or, or I, I don't know. But uh, that 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 is our biggest. That would appear to be yeah. um, the most serious issue we've got yeah i I think with the sancho thing the the sancho thing i can't imagine we're doing anything different to any other big club but but we've been caught yeah 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 yeah, we've been caught and as for the 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 main thrust of it all guys it seems very odd to me that these journalists particularly that they would have probably seen the material that jonathan northcroft has done with uh with man city fan tv and it's very, very odd that they can write some of these pieces because of one particular thing that, that just uh, strikes me, and that is that the so-called uh, second-tier related parties, in fact, the, all of the, the parties, whether they're related or not, they are under no compulsion to, well, open up their books. Surely this must be known, Colin, and that's kind of like the end of it. You, if, they, if, if these people are not obliged to assist your investigation, then... <laughs> Uh, how far can you get? Well, uh, yeah, you can't get very far, and, and, and that's the point I've made. And um, but I, I, it still looks bad, doesn't it? Because the mud still sticks, yeah. uh, and that's why I think the outcome of this may well be that City accept that these Abu Dhabi companies are related parties. Although we don't really accept the related parties, but we will say yes, they are related parties. We'll accept that, and uh, and the great thing that does, as I've said said on Twitter on social media, that puts the Etihad deal behind a firewall that can't be touched and, and this is the the interesting conversation i had with the the mirrors wrestling correspondent <laughs> mighty more <laughs> mighty mo chitra who um reckoned he was a, a big expert posted this one of my typical threads long threads on ffp and reckoned we were o- un- over declaring our income by 250 million <laughs> well I, I i think i put him right on that but it took him two days to come back, didn't it? But he didn't realise that an owner could invest funds via a sponsorship at fair value. Well, I mean, that's one of the one of the key elements of financial fair. Everyone knows that you can't be talking about financial fair play if you don't understand that fairly basic concept. I understand a lot of the more complex concepts. There's probably things I don't understand, but you know, I understand that basic concept. If a sponsorship is fair value, it doesn't matter where the funds come from. And I think this is what will come out of this that's my suspicion my opinion only is that we will accept Eddie had as a related party uh, and and you UEFA will agree the deal is fair value even though we've increased it recently and I, and I don't think we, we can't anyone could say it isn't fair value given our current status as a club so, so that that then's fireproof no one can touch that uh, the shake could put every single penny into that deal uh, could fund every single penny of that deal uh, and it would be fine. O- on the other deals, Arba, um, I'm not sure, Etisalat are in that. They've yeah. obviously been paying us more than people thought they'd been paying. So so what would happen if they were declared related parties is that UEFA would write those deals down to what they considered fair value. We could stay, didn't stop us taking all the money. So if they're paying us 15 million quid a year and UEFA say, actually, it's only worth 5 million quid, um, we still get that 15 million quid so it goes into our bank account if we want it but we can only declare 5 million of it for financial fair play purposes now again as I pointed out 
what you've got are accumulated adjusted financial fair play profit it's probably somewhere around the 90 million mark so you know we, we could take we could take a hundred million hit and still meet financial fair play and, and our income will be going up even more next year i think this financial year will we'll probably be about, be about break even, maybe a small loss. Next year, our income uh, with a Puma deal, a new PL deal, uh, we'll be looking at very significant profits. So uh, I think City would probably be, be wise. I, I don't know the thinking at City, uh, but I think they would be wise probably to accept that uh, these deals are related party deals, whether they agree with that or not, because that would be the smart way of uh, finishing this. And I think, and I hope UEFA turn around and, and we say this is whatever deal is made now, there's no going back. Whatever revelations yeah. come out in the and it's a shame City didn't maybe do this uh, last time. Whatever comes out in the future about past years, it's gone. It's historic and we can't go back. And I hope they can, they can actually do that. Um, I mean, one thing I want to say about some of the, you know, people like Mo Chatra and Matthew Syed and other, they, they write stuff there and, and I, mean, I, I see it on Twitter, and you've got hordes of their followers who are obviously uh, biased um, coming out and telling them that they've written wonderful stuff and thank you. And then they try and force that down, you know, secondhand or thirdhand crap down your throat to tell you, or oh, more Chatra said this, more Chatra knows all this, or so and so knows all this. And, and, it, and it, you know, in the end, I actually said, I think it was more or somebody else, I said, I actually can't be bothered putting you right on all the stuff you've written um because the people i normally put right are, are really 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 ignorant um and with more he 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 just doesn't know what he's t- you know and he but he wants to come and he's he writes for the mirror you know um he wants to come across that he really knows what he's talking about at least i know the other people are thick and they're just copying third hand but he's he's one of the people who's actually putting it out there that's it is quite frustrating and, and to be honest in the end i just i just ignored him now i just can't be bothered um trying to correct him because he's not going to accept what we say uh, and people are saying uh, you know or get i can't remember what someone said get colin on with more to talk about ffp because more knows what he's talking about and, and i know you've refused and uh, i I wouldn't accept that invitation because I, well, I can't think of any polite way to, to describe that invitation. It's just not something I would uh, want to discuss with him. It's just a waste of time. Yeah, that, exactly. I don't mind. Uh, I don't mind talking to people who maybe don't quite understand it and 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 know they don't quite understand it. Yeah. Um, I don't mind talking to people who they may have a viewpoint but are prepared to be a bit open-minded about it. But I, I'm not going to talk to people who clearly have no understanding whatsoever. I, I've now got invited to go on the Anfield. To come come and talk on the Anfield in it. I won't because that yeah. will just become a slanging match. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I'm not prepared to talk to people that simply do not understand what they're talking about. Oh, what well, I, well, I, I don't understand it when when they come out there and they make the most basic of errors, like more Chatra did, the most basic of errors to, to talk about, uh, you know, the the shakes sticking 250 million quid into the club, and you know, it wants that taken away. We feel FFP by 250 million quid or 150 million quid. It's so obvious he has no idea what he's talking about. Same with Matthew Syed, you know, mixing up balance sheets and. and and profit and loss and then as I think I said today, he lobbed the hand grenade and then he ran away pretty quickly uh, once he was, uh, um, you know, once the deluge of uh, responses came and making fun of him. Um, but when people are making such basic errors and you look at some of their historical posts and, and uh, you think, well, this, they're not going to change their minds, even if you, you know, correct them and, and um, 
show them because of their ways, they're not going to accept it. They've got yeah. their agenda. They've right. got their followers to uh, satisfy, and that's what they're just going to carry on doing. So you 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 will end up banging your head against a brick wall, talking to somebody who will speak, who thinks that if I talk really fast, people will think I'm clever and I'll accept what I say, and, and it's just so far from the truth. One uh, final point, uh, Colin, I just wanted to throw in here is that since so many of the allegations have arisen because of the material that was published in, in Der Spiegel, at the end of all of this, when it's all done and dusted, has there not been a tacit approval of hacking and stealing documents from people's uh, websites? Yeah, well, I was listening to a discussion on this a little while ago, and um, it isn't going to go away because these documents have been hacked. Um, and someone mentioned the, the Panamanian Fonseca scandal, the bank, the Panamanian bank or solicitors that was hacked. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen it before where documents have been hacked. Edward Snowden's another example. Once these documents are in the public domain, they're in the public domain. And I guess you, you can talk all the legal niceties you want, but it's there on the table. And I don't think we can we can ignore it. And what it do, and there was a story, wasn't there, that FIFA apparently have been using hacked documents for ages. <laughs> and they're going and talking to clubs and saying, well, what about this? You know, you've been doing that, we believe. And the clubs are saying, how did how the hell did you know that? Even if the documents are hacked, it's giving the authorities an idea of what, what to look at. I was listening to um Oh, it was Jack Pitbrook of the Independent. And Jack's obviously a City fan. He will do his best to defend City, but he's also got to be objective. Um, and Jack, I was I was actually driving. And I was howling, laughing. How I didn't crash, I don't know. But he said, anyone relying for legal advice on the Blue Moon Forum is probably going to be in for a sorry awakening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, guys, I think that that's pretty much everything that, uh, that I wanted to talk about. Unless you two guys have uh, anything else that's cropped up that uh, you'd like to mention. Yes, I've got, um, just totting up our goals, we're on 137 goals in all competitions Wow! Uh, so far this season, uh, and our, rec- our own record is 156, so we've just got 20 more goals to go to beat our own record, and we've got a minimum, yeah. uh, we've got 11 games, a minimum of 11 games to do that in, but it could be more. Another record for the Blues. So, you know, we could be going through the 150. Uh, sorry, someone said we might get 200. I don't think we'll get 200. But I think we could be looking at 165 goals in all well, competitions. If we, if we play all the games, we've got a minimum of um, 11 games to go. 11, yeah. And so we'd have two extra Champions League and a final. That's 14 and two extra FA Cup. So we've got 16 games. I can't see us getting to 200. I think if we're doing well, we'll score another 40 goals. 175. Pretty mouth-watering prospect. And I think, guys, uh, that's probably where, where we should stop, given the, the time and, and people's ability to be able to listen to this thing from uh, one end to the other. But, uh, of course, we're not going to uh, finish without thanking our, t- uh, our two guests, as usual. So thank you very much. Ray, thank you very much for coming on. As I normally say, always a pleasure, Mike. Always um, a pleasure. Thank you so much. And also, Colin Savage, the uh, the scourge of the uh, uneducated <laughs> and unresearched on Twitter this week. Uh, thank you so much, you, uh, you Colin. Gave, you gave me that compliment, and I thank you for it immensely. <laughs> it's the least, least I could do, the least I could do coming on the podcast with a, a supporter <laughs> like you, Mike. <laughs> All right, guys, let's leave it there. We've thanked the two guys. Uh, we'll be with you after the next game. It'll be the FA cup game against uh, Swansea probably the same lineup again hope you enjoy it and uh, as we always say have one on us and up those blues hey,
box as well. 